Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before God, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed, as before, all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy nation and stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. May the service be presented into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. The Book of Matthew 5.45 and 48 That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called, Called to Perfection. <clears throat> this commandment is the inheritance of saints of all times and generations, and the commandment is addressed by Christ strictly to his students, that is, to those people who acknowledge the person whom God has placed and not one who has been voted for or elected by the matter of a by the manner of a democratic vote when they acknowledge but instead they acknowledge a person in their midst that is placed by God and so therefore people who do who do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of a person that is sent by God have never had any part to the inheritance that is contained in this commandment and it is doubtful that they will ever be ever be able to as it relates to fulfilling this commanding order to be vigilant over the word of god within our heart as god is vigilant over a spoken word within the temple of our body we stop to study the following question what specific goals does the righteousness of god pursue that we are collaborating with within our heart And in part, we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart, received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant, where we, in the death of our Lord Jesus, died by the law for the law, so that in the new tablets of the covenant, symbolizing the resurrection of Christ, we can receive justification so that we can live for the one that died 
for us and resurrected, so we obtain confirmation of our salvation in new tablets of the covenant, symbolizing the resurrection of Christ so that we can provide God with the proper foundation to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the past law, but by the righteousness of faith like he gave this promise to Abraham or to his seed. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4.13. And so therefore the covenant of peace in the heart of a warrior in prayer is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God that that is spoken by his messengers. God's faith is information that comes from the word of God. This is not our emotions or something we feel or something we Uh, are guessing or maybe counting on but with uncertainty this is a teaching that is passed on to us Uh, faith is from hearing the word the information uh, that we hear our faith is obedience to God's faith to this information every time it talks about our faith it's talking about our obedience to God's words the faith of God By what signs do we examine ourselves that the peace of God rules within our heart, which identifies us as the sons of God and as the most holy? We know to examine your heart as to whether the peace of God is governing in it is possible by the ability to be a peacemaker. This characterizes us as the sons of God. It is not possible not having the state of peace in your heart and being and be a peacemaker only one who has the state of peace or who collaborate with God in their covenant of peace fulfilling their role to give God the proper grounds to fulfill his role blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God Matthew 5 9 and so this word they shall be called, they shall be established as sons of God. That's what that means. And so their name will never be blotted out of the book of life. In the beginning, our name is being written into the book of life when we make a covenant of baptism of water with God. But this is only within the format of a guarantee or as you would be an investment And so if we don't continue on this path, our names will be blotted out of the book of life. But if we will be fulfilling the conditions of the covenant of peace and in our heart, we have the state of peace. It's a fruit that we need to grow, this fruit of peace. Then we will be called, we will be established uh, as the sons of God. Six signs by which we need to judge of our belonging to the sons of peace have already been the subjects of our study and we have been studying the seventh and this is our ability to clothe our body our essence into the holy and the selective love of god clothe ourselves into the truth uh into the truth that is within our heart this is the love of god poured into our heart by listening to the preached word the word that we hear we accept it this is a pour out of the love of God into our heart. Some think that this is some kind of emotion that will come into us. No, this is truth that we hear and we accept. This is God's love because God has demonstrated his love that he gave his son and in his son, he gave us his command, his instruction, his words. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, 
and be thankful. Colossians 3, 14, 15, the, rule, the peace of God can rule in our hearts when we are clothed into God's love. We need to first put on or clothe our heart into God's love and then from the position of our heart then clothe our soul and then using our soul we clothe our body <clears throat> because there is a law principle we can't directly from our heart clothe our body into love you there we need to first renew our mind and the renewing of our mind is clothing our mind into love into the truth of the word of god when our mind no longer trusts in itself it becomes uh, it begins to uh, not rely upon on its uh, abilities just like Jacob and so God's blessings then needed to be received by him when he trusts in him only and so God's peace is grown in the heart and the Lord says blessed is one who is a peacemaker we've noted that in scripture the holy or selective love of God agape is presented <clears throat> in Scripture by the Holy Spirit in the light of seven unchanging virtues or components by the preached word of the apostles and prophets that in essence are the unchanging virtues of the qualities of God Himself. This is virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, and brotherly kindness and love. Second Peter 1, 2 through 8. In a specific format of the seven given characteristics, a virtue that united identified the goodness of God within our heart we have already studied six characteristics which are called to demonstrate which we are called to demonstrate in our faith and stopped on the seventh characteristic <clears throat> and this is to demonstrate within our faith the love of God agape coming from brotherly love we can conclude that the nature of love is not to be shown to the world and not for and not for the world but those whom the Lord has loved in Christ Jesus as it is written for the most part carnal men think that they need to show and demonstrate their love to the world but God did not give his son for the world Jesus died for his church he gave himself for his church in this way he made her uh, worthy of himself having washed her and cleansed he cleansed her and washed her with water by the word so she can be without blemish before him we will remember we will keep in mind that all seven of the given characteristics identified the state of the character of the heart of our Heavenly Father as much as God has allowed and based on the measure of our faith we already looked at the qualities of six of the characteristics and stopped on the seventh and this is how to demonstrate the love of God agape in our faith which comes from brotherly love which in essence is the royal crown of the goodness of God demonstrated in his virtue from this we conclude that the love of God agape is a love that is virtuous knowledgeable self-controlled can persevere is godly and has brotherly love because of this we have been studying the love of God specifically within the context or in the format of its qualities its supernatural virtues called to bring us into the fullness of growth in Christ 
studying the character of the love of God agape and the given qualities, we came to the conclusion that these are eternally existing characteristics of God himself as well as all that comes from God because God is love. And such a love coming from the inherent to God goodness is identified in scripture as the bond of all perfection. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, Colossians 3.14. And so the bond is when in one vessel you uh, unite or combine many different elements. And so when they are combined, they're united, they're mixed together. This is the bond of all perfection. When it's individual or separated, they are not yet demonstrating God's love. But when they're united, bond is united into one Uh, but above all these things put on love which is the bond of perfection it includes all of God's truth by researching the scriptures we already studied the consistency of the essence of the love of God agape which is poured into our heart by the Holy Spirit in which we need to grow and what we are called to demonstrate in our faith in the strict sequence of the following amazing biblical principles and this is first in the discipline of virtue which exclusively demonstrates itself in the discipline of knowledge which in turn is called and is able to demonstrate demonstrate itself in the discipline of self-control the the discipline of self-control is called to demonstrate itself within the discipline of perseverance perseverance is called to demonstrate itself in the discipline of godliness godliness is called to demonstrate itself in the discipline of brotherly love brotherly love is called to make itself known or to demonstrate itself in our faith within the discipline of the love of god agape Relevant to this, we have been studying the first sign by which we can judge or examine ourselves that we are demonstrating the love of God agape in our faith coming from brotherly love. And this is by our ability to love all and everyone whom God loves and hate all and everyone whom God hates. Because only loving what God loves and hating what God hates are we able to judge that we are demonstrating the love of God agape in our faith coming from brotherly love. For the world, this is not understood. How can love hate? If love can't hate, then it can't be called love because the measure of God's love is known by the measure of hatred toward lawlessness and carriers of that lawlessness. I will remind us of the seven signs identifying that category of men whom God loves and who we are also called to love so that we can demonstrate the discipline of the love of God agape in our faith. First sign by which we need to examine ourselves that we are demonstrating the love of God in our faith coming from brotherly love will be by the fact that we will love and be merciful to the repenting sinner just as God does. This is very important, an important discipline. This means we don't look at how we knew people in their past or based on what they did in their past, but who they are today. A person can't just come to church and hear the word and not repent. But sometimes we judge about people, oh, we know them. You don't know who this person is or she is or he is. We knew them when they were younger, or, but he or she may be very different today. Why? Because God is merciful. He loves 
to be merciful to the repenting sinner who were bound by sins, who suffered because of these sins. The lawless sinner does not suffer when he sins. They have the look of godliness and they fill churches. But these poor, unfortunate people, all their sin is is being seen because they don't cover it up. But the others, they have long claws, but they're all covered with fur, so you can't see them. And so we need to love and be merciful to the repenting sinner, just as God loves them. <clears throat> the heaven rejoices, or heavens rejoice, about repenting sinner uh, <clears throat> than the 99 that are there. He will come and save his own from their sins. And it's not talking about someone coming from the world, but a person who returns. <clears throat> People suffer because they fall into the very same sins that they hate, they don't want, and wants to be free from. And that these are the ones he will free them from. And when they're freed from them, the heavens rejoice. Because this is a victory. This is a victory of Christ over sin the confessions of of the of these people <clears throat> when i see a person before me who is confessing his sins i see him as a hero because to come and acknowledge your sin you need to be uh you need to have a specific type of bravery a coward will not reveal his sin but a brave person will i tell him don't be afraid you are not revealing yourself you're revealing the living in you sin. Separate yourself from it and reveal it. Because, because God loves when you are standing upon the neck of the sin by confessing it before God's anointed one. Second sign by which we need to examine ourselves that we are demonstrating the love of God in our faith coming from brotherly love will be that we will love and be merciful to the fatherless widow and stranger. We will be merciful. We don't need to be merciful toward anyone and everyone in the church, but only those who have the state of fatherlessness are a widow and a stranger because they died for the house of their father and a widow because they've died for governing sin in their body that was their husband and the stranger who has the state because he died for his nation and his nationality. And so now he is able to acknowledge any nationality and love any nationality. If you have hatred toward any nationality, it doesn't matter which one. If you have hatred toward any nationality, you are a nationalist. This is fascism in its pure form. These people can't be in God's church. You need to love all nationalities. Because the world today, uh, before it was that they would, before it was they were inspiring everyone to hate the Jews and everyone hated the Jews. And today, people are inspiring, uh, people are inspiring people to hate uh, Russia. And why? Because they are getting in the way of of the person, the dark powers that are trying to bring out the old, the, the, the sinful man, the man that's going to rule over the European Union. Third sign by which we need to examine ourselves that we are demonstrating the love of God in our faith coming from brotherly love is that we will love righteousness and justice in its carriers. 
Fourth sign by which we need to examine ourselves that we are demonstrating the love of God in our faith coming from brotherly love will be by the fact that we will love the holy nation that we are partakers or we are members of who are in God's hand and we will sit at his feet so that we can receive his words. If a person comes to inspect the preacher, he has not sat at the feet so that he can receive the word. He needs to prepare his heart before he comes to the temple, before he comes to the church, so that they can receive the word. And so those who prepare their hearts to listen to the word, those are the ones we're called to love. And so that's why they uh, will sit at the feet of God to receive his words. It's a sign by which we need to examine ourselves that we are demonstrating the love of God in our faith coming from brotherly love will be by the fact that we will open the eyes of the blind. We will raise the ones who, the one who is bowed down and we will love the righteous who walk with, walk the path of righteousness. Sixth sign by which we need to examine ourselves that we are demonstrating the love of God in our faith coming from brotherly love is determined by the fact that we will love the gates of Zion. The gates of Zion are the bride of the Lamb, the chosen by God remnant, or the virtuous wife who has the status of the narrow gate. Seventh sign by which we need to examine ourselves that we are demonstrating the love of God in our faith coming from brotherly love is that we will love the cheerful giver. A cheerf- uh, the cheerful giver God loves and we need to love the cheerful giver as well. Considering the fact that God has loved righteousness and hated lawlessness, the measure of, of the love of God coming from our heart in, the, in brotherly love is called to be identified by the measure of hatred you have for carriers of wickedness and lawlessness. As three of the signs of what or who God hates have already been subjects we've studied, we will study uh, number four today. Let's remember the first three. First sign by which we need to examine ourselves that we are demonstrating the love of God in our faith coming from brotherly love is to be determined by us hating people that hate the Lord. If a person says that he loves God but he hates his brother who he sees, then he is a liar and there's no truth in him. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Second sign by which we need to examine ourselves that we are demonstrating the love of God within our heart coming from brotherly love is to be done by us like God hating all that is not holy and separating it from what is holy. Third sign by which we need to examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the love of God within our heart coming from brotherly love is to be determined by us like God hating the nation that refuses to learn to swear by the name of God as the Lord lives. For whom I stand, I will not be shaken. And fourth sign by which we need to examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the love of God within our heart, coming from brotherly love, is to be determined by us, like God, hating those people who plant any tree as a wooden image or set up a sacred pillar near the altar. Deuteronomy 16, 21, 22. You shall not plant for yourself any tree as a wooden image near the altar which you build for yourself to the Lord your God. 
You shall not set up a sacred pillar which the Lord your God hates. Deuteronomy 16, 21-22 We know that the symbol of our altar upon which we are called to bring an offering in the form of our prayers is the state of our heart which is identified by the motives of our heart pursuing the goals and interests of the will of God. The thing is that the Canaanite nations Trees and sacred pillars at the altars carved in the image of their god Astarte indicated the fact that their altars belonged to the Baals and Astarte. We can conclude that if the Israelite if the Israelites will be planting trees that are dedicated to Baal and erect sacred pillars with the image of Astarte, then they will be pursuing the interests of Baal and Astarte at the altar of the Lord, which is what Cain did. He did not have his pillar or this tree, maybe, but in his heart he had it upon the altar. Uh, he was bringing an offering that did not correspond to the will of God. He did, he did not have the state of a warrior in prayer. He did not have the motive of fulfilling God's will. He wanted to bring this offering so that God bless him. And that's it. He wanted to use God's blessings, but his heart was not worthy of that blessing. The Canaanite nations trusted that these gods, Baal and Astarte, these gods were responsible for their materialistic well-being, for the fertility of their lands and their flocks, and for the fruit of their womb. In this way, if we will be seeking in our prayers what to eat, what to drink, and what to wear, we in this way will be planting these trees at the altar of the Lord, which is how uh, God will see us, these planted trees and pillars that God hates. Matthew 6, 24-34 No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else you will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about, what about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear. Put on your body what you will put on. It is, is life not more than food, and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither slow... They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all, its, in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field which is today, and tomorrow is grown is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father uh, knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, or in the original, in his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Matthew 6, 24-34 I intentionally bred this entire place, uh, the words of Christ, so that we can see what these grown trees are and, and these sacred pillars. If we do not trust upon the word of God, in the moment of uh, cataclysms, calamities, uh, famines, illnesses, then this means that at our altar we do have these planted trees and pillars. Summing up the planted trees and pillars at the altar of the Lord, which God hates, 
And this means not to defile uh, your altar. Your motives need to consist of seeking the pure and imperishable inheritance instead of the perishable wealth being supported by these planted trees and pillars of Astarte in the form of the demonic prince Mammon. We are called, our motives, they are called to consist of the pure and imperishable inheritance. And so if we have another motive, seeking other wealth, and we have these pillars and these planted trees, we will defile our altar. Fifth sign by which we need to examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the love of God within our heart, coming from brotherly love, is to be determined by our hatred for those who throw religious feasts which do not have the fruit of holiness, injustice, and righteousness. God hates religious feasts. That do, let us read the place. I hate, I despise your feast days. I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them, nor will I regard your fat, fattened peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments, but let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. Amos 5.21-24 The feasts of the Lord they were supposed to demonstrate justice and righteousness so that it flow like a mighty stream. But if they're just a feast for the sake of a feast, or a Passover, or Easter for the sake of Easter, like they celebrated Easter not long ago, all these religious uh, feasts that are uh, celebrated with a lot of puffness, and I remember this puffness, and I always had a uh, tragedy in my heart and I was asked the Lord why is this why is it during these uh, Easter uh, and celebrations and why is it feel uh, like of death in me somehow and I couldn't understand this for a long time until the Lord revealed to me and when he revealed that to me I understood completely differently during these feasts I was free because I celebrated them every single day. I told you how I had come to church, the service uh, was over, and I came up to a brother and told him, Jesus, uh, Jesus is risen, and he said, well, Jesus, uh, there's no Easter today. And these were people, uh, this was in the church I was, the Pentecostal church, and I was congratulating them, telling them that Jesus is risen, and each one would respond in a different way. And the third one told me, well, it's not the one that you're supposed to say it to. And so I was working as a photographer at the time. There was uh, The first woman approached me, she was a client of mine. She was not... Christian, maybe she knew God, there was a God, but she wasn't. And I greeted her. I said, Jesus is risen. And she told me, He is truly risen. And then she asked me, Why are you congratulating me? There's, It's not Easter today. And I told her, You know what? You know who I am. And she said, Yes. Well, in my church, I had congratulated a few people, and no one responded in turn saying that, 
He's truly risen. You're the first person. He didn't just uh, resurrect on that day. He resurrected in general. And so logically you can say that every single day because he has risen. And you could say it any day of the year. And so you see why God hates these feasts, why he hates these uh, he says, I despise uh, and the, the noise of your of, of your songs and your stringed instruments. If there's no justice or righteousness in the church, if there's clans and their relative clans and groupings that are that are done within the church itself that are only certain people are always invited to and no one else, there's no justice of God there. <laughs> but let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. The absence, or let's say the feasts of the Lord contain the oath promises of God in the form of pure and imperishable inheritance, which are called to become the possession and state of our heart. And so they need to be a continuous state of our heart. And as they were not a continuous state of the heart of the nation of Israel, but only specific days they were doing this, but righteousness and justice did not was not present God said I despise these feasts uh, because of that and so having the absence of the deeper consistency of the feast of the Lord <clears throat> in your heart aiming the fulfilling of the perfect will of God consisting of the erection of the stronghold of incorruption in our body and clothing our body into incorruption triggers the burning wrath of God against us as man makes the work of the Lord's redemption futile in himself. Because we need to have a continual state within our heart that we need to confess every day, clothing ourselves into the stronghold of incorruption. Therefore, the celebration of the feasts of the Lord was firstly called to show the state of our righteous heart during our worship in spirit and in truth where we would be able to make a verdict on a case of righteousness over the enemy that lives within our within our body as well as the enemy that lives out of our body providing God with legitimate grounds to look upon us with his favor to demonstrate the hate of God for those who have feasts which are no longer the feasts of the Lord because of an absence of their true essence in the heart in the form of the oath promises of God, we need to break our relationship with people and groups of people whose feasts of the Lord no longer contain their original purpose. And it's demonstrated in the state of their heart, and we need to stop celebrating them as the religious groups do. The first church never celebrated these things. They never celebrated these things. Sixth sign by which we need to examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the love of God within our heart coming from brotherly love is to be determined by our hatred of people and groups who burn incense to other gods. However, I have sent to you all my servants and prophets rising early and sending them saying, Oh, do not do this abominable thing that I hate but they did not listen or incline their ear to turn from their wickedness to burn no incense to other gods. Jeremiah 44, 4-5 Burning incense is the burning of fragrant mixes or spices called to keep us from death 
when we enter the holy place before the face of the Lord. And Aaron shall bring the bull of the sin offering which is for himself and make atonement for himself and for his house and shall kill the bull as the sin offering which is for himself. Then he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from altar from the altar before the Lord with his hands full of sweet incense beaten fine and bring it inside the veil and he shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony lest he die Leviticus 16:11-13 and so if he does not bring in the sweet incense uh, beaten fine before the Lord uh, when he goes in God will kill him there the symbol of burning incense creating a fragrant cloud before the face of the Lord which protect protects us from death indicates the testimony of our abiding in Christ where God does not see our corruption or decay in the form of the old man who lies within our body because this fragrant cloud represented Christ and we need to present to God evidence that we are we are in Christ that we we need to come to him in the name of Jesus Christ and in Jesus we need to see ourselves in Jesus Christ and proclaim that before God's face and this can occur only upon one condition when we during our worshiping God in our songs as well as in our prayers obey our faith to God's faith which is concealed within our heart counting ourselves in Jesus Christ dead to sin and living for God the scriptures say count yourself in Jesus Christ dead to sin living for God if you count yourself dead to sin and living for God we are not dead but as it were physically but behave as if you are dead to sin and stating in our proclamation before God the not existing stronghold of incorruption in our body as existing when you do this then this is a cloud a fragrant cloud that you bring before the Lord you burn this incense before God so that he not kill you when you begin to pray because you pray you come to him and you say Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ I thank you that you have become my God in Jesus Christ and when you say this in Jesus Christ then in this way you need to say thank you that I have died in Jesus Christ for sin that lives in my body I thank you that I can proclaim the stronghold of incorruption as existent in my body this will be that cloud that we need to bring before him therefore the, the image of worshiping God in song and prayer but in absence of the oath promises of God in our heart consisting of the stronghold of incorruption which is called to be erected within our body in Christ Jesus is an abominable work which God hates if in our prayers we don't uh, demonstrate who God is for us who he is to us what he's done for us that in Jesus Christ we have the stronghold of incorruption in our body we already have it you say well yeah but I'm still I still have corruption but don't look at that don't look at the fact that there's still sin there count yourself as th there is no sin there and your body is incorrupt proclaim stating that it is incorrupt and imperishable but if you don't do this then he will hate you 
and we need to hate people who hate means just break your relationship with. Therefore, the hatred of God toward those who burn incense to other gods consists in this, when a person has not paid the price for the right to be placed into Jesus Christ, worships God in prayer and songs, trusting that he is burning incense to God, not understanding that he is actually burning incense to other gods. They take the same melody, the same song that is supposed to worship God, but he is burning incense to other gods because he has not died for sin in Jesus Christ. He, in, uh, in the law, through the law, has not died. He does not understand how this promise that belongs to the door of our hope w- will clothe us into incorruption, and he does not confess this and doesn't wait for it. <clears throat> he thinks this will all happen after he dies. But the scriptures say no. It's not when you die, but well, while you're still alive here. If you had re- have accepted this, even while you were alive and you happen to die, then you will resurrect uh, when the time comes to be renewed. To examine yourself as to whether you are in Jesus Christ or not is to be done by the confirmation of the grace of God that rules within our heart by the means of the righteousness of our heart. For I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Galatians 2, 19 through 21. If you are following the law and you think that uh, through the law you will be somehow saved, then... Christ died in vain is what it's referring to here Galatians 2 19 through 21 summing up the hatred of God toward people who burn incense to other gods means from our end to break our relationship with these people who pray and worship God when at the same time they have not died by the law through the law so they receive justification by the grace of God so some people just uh, don't drink don't smoke don't cuss don't take drugs but they don't realize that there are more severe sins, and these are uh, black jealousy or rot in the bones. And so the bones are the the strength of our faith, and the when this decay begins because of jealousy, our, our, our faith will start to decay. And so we have these emotions, and we have this uh, coming up in us, this jealousy, but we fight it. But if we, there are things that we don't count as sin, and we don't fight them. And so a person uh, goes off of what he's feeling. If I feel favorable toward a person, I will do good for this person. But you need to not look at your feeling, but the information that you receive. Who is the person next to me? Seventh sign by which we need to examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the love of God within our heart coming from brotherly love is to be determined by our hatred of people who do not speak the truth to their neighbor and do not give judgment in their gate for truth, justice, and peace as they think evil in their heart against their neighbor and love false oaths. 
Zechariah 8.16.17 These are the things you should do. Speak each man the truth to his neighbor. Give judgment in your gates for truth, justice, and peace. Let none of you think evil in your heart against your neighbor. And do not love a false oath, for all those are things that I hate, says the Lord. Zechariah 8.16.17 All of this thing I hate, says the Lord. In the given situation, it is referring to such a nature of person or man who being in the midst of our churches are carriers of deception and deceit about God and His Word. The truth that is supposed to be containing the fullness of the elementary teaching of Christ. The hatred of God for men and peoples who do not speak truth to their neighbors and have evil thoughts against their neighbor means we need to break our relationship with these men and and people who refuse to obey their faith to God's faith so that in in the body of Christ they die for their nation, the house of their father, and for the corrupt desires of their flesh. Therefore, in the first sign by which we need to examine ourselves that we are demonstrating the love of God in our faith, coming from brotherly love, we had studied the seven preceding signs by which we can determine who God loves and whom God hates. And let's go to the second of this. So the first had seven signs of whom God loves and seven of whom God hates. And now we're going on to the second sign by which we need to examine ourselves, that we are demonstrating the love of God in our faith coming from brotherly love, is to be done by demonstrating this love in 14 unearthly or supernatural qualities of the fruit of righteousness which are grown by us in the Eden of our heart. I had people who came who come up to me saying I'm leaving the church because I don't see this normal when you're bringing uh, when you're when you're listing seven or eight components give us only uh, one uh, one and so we'll understand it but here I'm bringing forth 14 qualities <coughs> And so we we talked about seven <clears throat> qualities of whom God loves and whom God hates, and now we're going to talk about the 14 qualities of love itself. And the most delightful is that these 14 qualities of the fruit of righteousness by which we can examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the love of God agape in our faith is that they are diluted in one the other, come one from the other, complete one the other, balance one the other, and identify before God the truthful nature of one the other. And so there's not more of one and less uh, of the other, but each one is individual. We need to understand that these qualities, which are belonging exclusively within the relationship of the saints, one with the other, and have nothing to do with relationships with the wicked and lawless men who support the wicked. 1 Corinthians 13, 14 or 13, 4 through 12. They read these places, they read these qualities, but they don't understand them. Uh, and so uh, uh, people say, well, you bring forth a lot of components, and so we're leaving. And so and so, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 12. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, 
bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. Then I was a ch- when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, we see in a mirror, as we've left now, this childhood, the spiritual childhood, for now, we see in a mirror, uh, we see fully, but when we were infants, when we were children, spiritually, we saw dimly in a mirror, but now face to face. When we become perfect, now face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And so let us look at these and list these 14 uh, qualities of love that we need to demonstrate in our faith. Love suffers long. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, and love endures all things. In essence, demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit and the 14 qualities of the love of God in our faith, we are accepting the cup of salvation, which gives us the right to enter into God's presence and call upon Him in the virtue of an intercessor. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Psalm 116, 12, 13. In these 14 qualities, is these are the cup of salvation, we see. And we receive these also in the elementary teaching of Christ. Until we have a complete biblical clarity or comprehension of the cup of salvation and the method by which we need to accept it in the 14 given components of the love of God, we, due to our ignorance expressed in our hard heart, will think that we are demonstrating obedience to God when actually we will be resisting the will of God and will demonstrate disobedience. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. This is the demonstration of the state of our heart. If we have the right state, then it will be natural. If a good tree, if it is a good tree, it will bear these 14 qualities, but a bad tree bears can bad tree bears bad fruit, a good tree cannot bear uh, bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. If we have not received the seed about the kingdom of heaven, the seed about the kingdom of heaven, so we can grow into a tree of life, then we will not will not have this state, and we will read this, and we will sh- may, we will state that we need to all brothers and sisters, we need to have these things. I recently was watching the sermon of a brother. I just wanted to see what he says. And he comes out and he's yelling and shouting, we need, we need, we need. But he does not explain what it is that we need. He does not explain because he himself doesn't know. And everyone's sitting there. And because of his ability to yell and shout, uh, 
it attracts people, but they leave the church empty thinking that they're full because there's no seed about of the kingdom of heaven that would be able to grow into a tree of life. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, in that day, when suddenly the church will change in the blink of an eye, this will be that day. Lord, Lord, but why did we remain this way? Have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Matthew 7, 17 through 23. They did good works. They passed out their possessions their, their, to the poor but they didn't realize or that God did not command them to do that. God re- had one requirement for them, cast off the old man, renew their mind, and by the means of their renewed mind, begin to clothe themselves into their new person, into the holy and selective love of God. Clothe themselves, demonstrate this love of God. Even unintentional disobedience to the will of God means that we are not we are no longer calling upon the name of the Lord, but the name of the author of the first rebellion in the form of the fallen cherubim, calling him Lord and ascribing the not belonging to him attributes of God. In scripture the word salvation is contrary to the word perishing. And to examine yourself as to whether you have accepted the cup of salvation or are just uh, trusting that we have accepted it when at the same time we are remaining in the state of perishing is to be done by examining yourself as to whether you are demonstrating the 14 qualities in in your faith in the love of God or relying rather on the practicing of evangelism and upon the practice of supernatural miracles. Because the fruit of the Spirit in the 14 components of the love of God is the symbol of the fruit of the tree of life into which we are called to clothe our body when collaborating with the promises of God and the Holy Spirit who opens the meaning of all truth and all promises within our heart. And having the fruit of the tree of life identified within the 14 demonstrations of the love of God is to be examined by specific components which are in a miraculous balance with one another confirming the truthful nature of one the other. See that no one render evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourself and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, But for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. 1 Thessalonians 5:15 through 24 In the given place of scripture, we see presented the role of God and man in our collaboration with the truth of sanctification and with the Holy Spirit. If we fulfill our part of the work, then God promises to fulfill his part of the work to sanctify us in fullness in a way that our spirit, soul, and body can be kept without blemish at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so they will possess the state of these 14 qualities. Talking about the completeness of our sanctification, which includes our spirit, our soul, and our body, we need to know that this is the rule of the resurrection of Christ within our body. Otherwise, the blemish of corruption, sin, and death will be kept within our body. Our role in the sanctification of our spirit and our body that is presented in the given place of Scripture in ten components we see underlining the amazing order of holiness. These ten that we had just read will be the state, and when we have the state, then we will absolutely demonstrate this state in the 14 qualities we listed prior. Do not render evil for evil to anyone. Always pursue what is good both for yourself and for all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things that are good to God. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Practically, the essence of all sanctification consists in separating the clean from unclean and separating the holy from unholy. As what is clean is not always holy, at the same time holy is always clean. We can see this in the selection of the sacrifice for a burnt offering. All of the sheep in their nature are pure animals, but what is holy is the sheep that is without blemish and that is separated from the flock for the sacrifice. There could be uh, sick animals maybe with uh, Uh, limbs too long or too short ill can have some kind of markings on the body uh, or what is blind or what is uh, has a broken limb you need a sheep that is perfect in every possible way first is do not render evil for evil to anyone we need to immediately note that it is referring to such enemies with whom we are allowed to come in contact to, we are allowed to come in contact with and communicate with. Therefore, the command to not render evil for evil to anyone means to not avenge yourself but give place to God's wrath. Beloved, do not avenge yourself but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 19 through 21. These are those enemies that we can communicate with. Here it's talking about those kind of enemies. The unclean and lawless... Uh, when uh, you don't uh, render, uh, you don't uh, respond in turn with kindness with them because they cannot be saved. And so, people of the world, people that are maybe infants in Christ, uh, these people we need to love and we need to overcome uh, the the imperfections. Uh, in this case, the effort that we put in to pursue to seek good for one another and to all is a unique component of our sanctification. However, it is not possible to see good for one another and for all, not understanding what the scriptures call good and what they call evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Good. Good is everything that comes from God and leads to God, revealing to man who God is for him, what God has done for him, and how God looks at him, and what God expects from him. This is what good is. This is what we need to seek. This is the goodness we need to seek for one another and for all. 
I was invited to the minister of KGB at my time and he had asked me how do I how I see him and I told him I look at him as a person whom God gave authority to there's no authority that's not placed by God you are a person who does not trust uh, their le- your own leaders you don't trust your own leaders you're lonely and we are required according to scripture to pray for you so you can fulfill your work secondly I look at you as a person as a creation of God and also as a sinner that needs salvation and I pray for you his eyes uh, be- began to tear and he came and shook my hand and he said I have never I only saw this uh, I've only uh, thought this existed in books and other things but I at this time when I was saying these things I felt physically felt not just inside but I physically felt uh, a love for this person and the presence of the Holy Spirit naturally in my eyes uh, uh, he must have seen the favor of Christ because when you behave behave according to God's words God will see it in your eyes or people will see it in your eyes not lust but a true uh, favor uh, toward them this is that goodness of when we present when we understand who God is to us what he's done for us and how God looks at us and what he expects from us third is to rejoice always rejoicing always is to always pray or to always abide in God it's the same thing only the nature of continual uh, prayer can separate us from all that is unclean and unholy to form within our spirit the state of joy and clothe us into the virtue of unearthly joy then I will go to the altar of God to God my exceeding joy and on the harp I will praise you and so a prayer when there is no joy there then you are not approaching the right altar David says I will go to the altar of God to God my exceeding joy and on the harp I will praise you O God my God then he begins to speak to his soul why are you cast down O my soul the the soul wasn't rejoicing at this moment his spirit was rejoicing but his soul wasn't and then he begins to calm his uh, soul and why are disquieted within me hope in God for I shall yet praise him the help of my countenance and my God Psalm 43 4 5 when you begin to speak to your soul your soul will begin to rejoice also because you it's information that we confess in actuality upright joy separating us from all that is unclean and unholy is according to scripture love for righteousness and hatred for lawlessness you love righteousness and hate lawless lawlessness therefore God your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions Psalm 45 7 fourth is pray without ceasing continual prayer a prayer without ceasing is a continual conversation with God that is not interrupted by sin that is in accordance to the breastplate of the high priest into which we have built ourselves such a nature of prayer is our total dedication uh, 
to God, which is accompanied by a total sanctification, which which, uh, came from a total sanctification to God, so that we can then call upon Him while He is close. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Isaiah 55, 6. When we pray the words of Scripture, where when we in prayer confess the words that come out of the mouth of God, then this is a continual prayer. This is a state. This doesn't mean you stay on your knees for 24 hours. This is you continually meditate about God. This is have having spiritual uh, meditation. In everything, give thanks. In everything, it doesn't mean everything in general, but everything meaning what comes from God. In the original, that's what it meant, uh, what it's writing. Because some preachers say, we thank God for everything. Thank God if they hit you, thank God for it. Or they just hit you, somebody who's drunk or someone come and hit you. And so what, you're going to thank God for that? Or you you fall and you break your nose and you thank God. Your car was hit from the back and now they say thank God for it. And so I hear how people, I've heard how people will explain these things. Uh, no, that's not what it means here. In everything give thanks, mean meaning everything that comes from Him. With thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and from Him only good comes. It's very noteworthy. Without our uh, thanksgiving to God, our dedication to God, uh, which came because of our sanctification to God, will not uh, be according to the requirement of holiness. Because our thanksgiving is a demonstration of our faith and our obedience to God's faith. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear, and in the night season, and I am not silent. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Psalm 22, 1-3. In this plea, you need to bring forth a praise. You need to uh, state who he is to you, what he's done for you, who he is for you, who you are to him. Because he lives, he's enthroned in the praises of Israel. Sixth is, do not quench the born from God spirit. The burning spirit takes part in separating what is holy from unholy and identifies the absence of dead works. If the spirit is quenched and it's and it is, we are the only ones that are able to quench it, then you cannot sanctify yourself because a burning Spirit is the life of God within us. At the same time, a quenched spirit is the loss of God's life within us. And so it's talking about our human spirit because to quench the Holy Spirit is not possible because he is immortal. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of the heart. Proverbs 20, 27. I, I sometimes hear... Uh, preachers say that do not quench the Spirit, they say the Holy Spirit. You can't quench the Holy Spirit, He just will leave. You can't. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. Matthew 25, 8, it's not the Holy Spirit that's uh, going out, but our lamp is going out. If within our heart, in the vessel of our heart, we won't have oil, the Word, 
that we heard and we didn't didn't accept it because we didn't understand it the oil in the heart is that word that we don't understand but accept until the Holy Spirit reveals its meaning for us it's important that who is saying this word is placed by God and he's speaking God's mysteries whoever curses his father or his mother his lamp will be put out in deep darkness Proverbs 20.20 whoever curses his father or his mother it says is not obedient to them if he speaks uh, evil things, if he cusses them out, in the last days, people uh, will be this way with their parents, in the ch- and it's talking about people in the church, not in the world. Seventh, do not despise prophecies. Respecting prophecies is separating what's holy from unholy. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Revelations 19.10 To despise, do not despise prophecies, is to scorn, neglect, or disregard, make as nothing, or consider insignificant. Prophecy is something foretold, interpretation, divination, vision, revelation, dreams, the testimony of Jesus in the spirit of man. So we understand that the prophecy that it's not just a prophecy that someone may have at, at one or another time. This also can be revelation that is in you as well. Eighth, test all things. To test what the scriptures command us to test. In this way, we sanctify ourselves and separate what's holy from unholy. Testing all things. Test Again, all things is all things that come from God. One brother had come to me and said, listen, here it says, test all things. I was a guest in Ukraine and he was a deacon. And so I asked, have you ever, uh, he said, have you ever drank? Have you ever smoked? I said, no, no. And he said, you should try it. Uh, because it says to test all things. And so why are you testing what is evil when you know it's evil? And so people think think this way, and so they, they uh, have this mentality that they need to test every kind of sin to understand it, when it's not referring to that. We need to test what separates us from what is unholy. Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. My my ways, my my words, my actions, my my thoughts, are they in accordance to Scripture or not? Lamentation 3.40 Test your actions, your words, your clothing, how much it corresponds to, to the truth. That's what it means to test all things. Test is rejecting the evil and choosing the good after being nourished by curds and honey. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Curds and honey he shall eat that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. Isaiah 7, 14, 15. To test 
is researching and studying what is acceptable to God and refusal to participate in fruitless works of darkness, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the fruitless works of darkness, but rather expose them. Ephesians 5, 10, 11. Test is examining yourself how much our life corresponds to a sound faith teaching. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not know yourself that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Amen. Let us bend our knees and our heads and pray and may the Lord bless us. In the word that we hear, we have heard anyone who wants to resist their lusts, their passions, wants to resist illnesses, fears. You can come to the altar, we will pray for you, and the Lord will give you new opportunities. May the Lord bless us. Amen. I'm going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that the Lord is on your side. He is not against you. His love burns just as brightly. He is compassionate to the wounds that the sin in you has created. He wants to deliver you, but he can only do this if you're obedient, obedient to God's faith. When you will count yourself dead to sin, living for God, and proclaim that not existence stronghold of incorruption as existent pray together with me close your eyes this is your secret room lift your hands to God this is your <clears throat> a sign that your hands are without wrath or doubt Heavenly Father <clears throat> in the name of Jesus Christ I come to you I open up my heart you see my pain you see my suffering from sin 
that I hate. I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal me, deliver me from these chains of sin, heal me from all nature of sickness. May your mercy be blessing. I accept your mercy in your healing. And right now before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and give you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you the blessing of the ancient mountains, everlasting hills be on you and your children, and the nation shall say, Amen. Right now, before we proclaim our unchanging manifestation, I want to call out Ruven, Federer, and Jeanette Wiebe. I would like to announce, I want to bring them forward, I want to present them. They have, uh, they are now engaged, and I have spoken to each one of them. Let us congratulate them. It's good that the saints are finding one another in the body instead of somewhere out in the world. And so we thank God for them. May the Lord bless you. You may take your seats. And now let us together proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Our 